Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back to Marriage and Martinis, and I am Adam, and here's Danielle. Hi. We have a treat for you today. I I think so. I think this was a really fun interview. I think you are you were surprised at how much you loved doing this interview. I am. Yeah, I I get a little weird about doing these interviews because it's very uh, feminine based. Okay. Is that fair to say? I, I don't mean, know. it's sex. I don't uh, think But it's... from the woman's point of view. Mm. Uh, but anyway, Leah had some really kind of fun stuff to talk about. Uh-huh. And damn. Yeah. Yeah, damn. I want to talk about Leah in a minute. Okay. Uh, as an intro. But before that, I have had so many women, yes, women. Yeah, obviously. Messaging me. Saying, when are we getting an update about the quote-unquote clit sucker? Yeah, well, I had a lot of guys asking me for an update because they want the clit sucker. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess. So, I, I, listen, things have been a little crazy around here. We had the flu going through the house. We had a distant period. We have Life happens. So it wasn't until a couple weeks ago. Go. So when life happens, get a clit sucker. No, that's your I, point. No, my point is that I I didn't even have time to <laughs> play with the clit I sucker. Know. No, yeah, it took no a long pun time. intended. It did. Yeah. But I finally stopped waiting for you because I was like, okay, I'm fuck him. I'm just gonna do it. Fuck I mean, him. Not. I mean, uh, the actual no. the actual opposite of yeah. fuck him. Uh, no. Not fuck him. Right. I'll get a clip. There sucker. you go. Yeah. So um, that's exactly what happened. And it's so funny because I don't even know if that's the real term for it. If that's like the, if clit sucker is just what Brooke calls it, I'm not even sure. But um, well, it, if that's what Brooke calls, Brooke calls it. No, it totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> explain to me because I wasn't there because you well, didn't wait I'm for me. I'm not going to explain too much because I do want us, we're going to New York this weekend and I'd like to bring it. And, um, Wait, can we bring the uh, cock ring too? Yes, we'll definitely. We'll bring both. Okay, we'll bring both. It will be a flirty girl extravaganza. Yes, <laughs> Brooke will be so proud. Um, but Brooke, uh, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna say two things. Oh things. boy, <laughs> I know. she's as red as I the. I can't uh, get too technical because I do want us to use it before I talk too much. But for all my ladies out there, Brooke said two things about it. First of all, she said if if she had a fire in her house, there'd be one thing that she would save, and it would be this. Um, Brooke, I second that. 
I'll grab the kids and the dogs. You grab that. I'm not talking about the kids and the dogs. I'm talking about an object. Um, secondly, uh, she was... She said to me when I kept saying to her, can you just describe it? Just describe it to everybody. And she kept saying, I can't describe it. You have to use it. I understand that now too. Mm. Um, And it took a little bit of figuring it out, which was also fun. But um, once I figured it out, um, let's just say the kids are in school for like seven hours. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, Danielle's going to finish this. I'm going to go take a shower. (laughs) Anyway, ladies... Uh, please DM flirty girl. <laughs> um, just do it. And I'm going to bring it this weekend and uh, we will give an update about using it together on the, an, another time. But, but everybody's been asking and that's my, that's my update is that everything she said is true. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to Leah. Um, are you done doodling while you're talking about yeah, the clit sucker I'm, because I'm, I'm you're so being nervous? Uncomfortable. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it's, it's great. Um, okay, so Leah. Yes, Leah. Um, so she's a sexual communications coach and I met her, um, online through a po- She has a podcast of her own called a uh, good girls talk about sex. And she is so amazing because she is like us so open and honest about everything. And is just trying to get everybody to, to open up about their sexuality and finally reclaim or claim, um, you know, that, the, the fact that we all deserve to get the most amount of pleasure out of sex as we can. But what I really want to say about Leah is that when we were supposed to have her on, uh, I would say a couple weeks back when we were in the midst of the, everybody having the flu and everybody being sick. And as a woman, sometimes when I have to cancel something or say, no, we can't, I get a, a lot of anxiety. And so I emailed her and I was like, I'm so sorry. We're not going to be able to do the interview tonight. Um, I had already canceled her one on one, her one other time. And her response to me when I canceled on her was, thank you so much for telling me what you need. And like, like, thank you for, for being, you know, brave and strong enough to just say, I can't, I can't do it tonight. We can't do it. And to me, that was so incredible because I feel like I'm going to start saying that to people when they start canceling on me and saying, no, I'm going to start saying, thank you so much for just putting it out there and saying what you need. Like there's not enough of that. And I feel like that really sums up who she is as a person. She just wants you to feel comfortable and um, no, no, not anxious about who you are. And I think she's awesome. Yeah. I got none of that from what she said. I got all like the amazing stories that she was talking about. Oh, just the sex stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. I did not expect this. Yeah. It was fun. Guys, listen up. This is kind of a really fun, cool conversation. And and, and a disclaimer, it's a sex, it's a sex episode. So don't message us after being like, there was too much sex talk. If you don't want to hear sex talk. Who would message us? You don't know the messages we get. No, I have no idea. But why would you message us about too much sex well, talk. Well, we get into Listen, we talk in depth about things. Hmm. So if if you are uncomfortable okay. with really in-depth sex talk, um, you know, everything, oral sex, orgasms, everything, turn it off right now, please. If you are uncomfortable with this, there's church talk. If you, <laughs> if you change the dial, the one degree... <laughs> there's an in between. <laughs> there is an in between between church talk and this, okay? But what I'm saying is, yes, from this point forward, it is all sex talk. Yes. So turn it off now. <laughs> 
enjoy this episode. Enjoy it. We loved we it. It was great. Okay. We love you, Leah. <laughs> enjoy. Okay. So we're here today with Leah Carey. And she is from the podcast. She has her own podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex. And she's a sexual communications coach. And one thing that I just want to say that I read on your website is you say, I believe that taking control of our sexuality, speaking up for our needs, and talking honestly about what really matters is the essence of goodness, kindness, and integrity. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I love what you said, but I'd love you to dissect it a little bit. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much for having me here today. It's oh, an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Um, so I spent most of my life being sort of the quintessential good girl. Um, you know, I only had sex inside relationships. I, the Most of the sex I had, I didn't really want to be having. I thought that I was supposed to have it in order to make my partner happy. And there was very little about it that was um, for my enjoyment. And I didn't, didn't even think about asking for what I wanted because not only did I not know I was allowed to do that, I didn't know what I wanted. Like I had never spent any time thinking about what might I actually desire. And so I've gone through this whole process of sexual exploration and sort of reclaiming my body and my sexuality. And, um, in that experience, I've really started to rethink what it means to be a quote unquote good girl. You know, we walk through our lives, so many of us who grew up in female bodies, um, we're told just, you know, just be good, just just sit there and be pretty and smile and, you know, put on your little dress and, and we were there to be, you know, to be pretty and good. And, um, and now it's time to start thinking about how, how has that affected us as adults? Because a lot of those lessons that we learned as kids don't serve us when we become adults. It is not enough to sit and put on the pretty dress and do our makeup and do our hair and look good and expect that that is all that's required of us. Mm -hmm. um, and so I am really diving deep into this idea of, you know, what are the, what are the aspects of myself that I really value? And some of those were in what you just read, integrity, um, kindness. Those are things that I want to live. And to me, that is what it means to, you know, sort of reclaim the, the idea of being a quote unquote good girl. I love that. And I, I feel like since we started this podcast, my, I'm so drawn now to people who are doing, I think, what we're trying to do, which is to rid of this whole shame culture yes. of we can't say that or you can't talk about that or what, is, what, your, what are your neighbors going to think? What is, what's the PTA going to think? What is your, I mean, it's true, you know, what are other parents going to think? What's your family going to think? And we get that sometimes with the podcast. I'm sure. And so I'm so inspired by people who are doing that also. And I see you that you are totally on the front lines doing that with your podcast. And on your podcast, it's, it's so amazing because you're giving women a platform to really say anything they want about sex. Mm. There's 
it's just a, a, an open platform, which is incredible. And I think when obviously when one person does that, then more people come forward and do it. And so I'm grateful to you for doing that because we need that. And one thing that I have in this last nine months of doing the podcast, one thing that I have learned is that there are so many of us who are holding back sexually and it's time to stop. And I, I think I read that you wrote that you were 42 when you really reclaimed your sexuality. Is that correct? Or, yes. or found that it was time to start thinking of sex as being something that's supposed to be fulfilling and desirable. And it's not just a means to an end. It's not just that's what we're supposed to do in relationships. So that's what we do. It's about actually the pleasure of it. Absolutely. So can and you talk about how kind of you got there? Absolutely. So um, sort of to go back to the beginning, I grew up in a home that was filled with both um, real confusion about sex and a lot of shame. Um, my father was a pretty messed up guy. <laughs> he, he did his best, but it wasn't very good. Um, and I, I left that home with a huge amount of confusion around what sex was supposed to be. You know, he told me I was fat. I was ugly. No one would ever love me. He told me that he would lock me in my room until I was 30. So no boy could ever touch me. I mean, there was a lot of really confusing and really um, mismatched messages. You know, you're fat and you're ugly. No one will ever want you. But at the same time, I have to protect you from all these boys who are going to be trying to touch you. Right. It was super confusing. I'm just confused. You said before, yeah, he did his best. He did. But with mm -hmm. the things that you're saying, I'm, I'm just confused. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that was his best. That was his best. Yeah. Okay. He, um, he grew up himself in a really abusive home. He didn't have any model of what parenting looked like. Okay. He definitely okay. didn't have any model of what good parenting looked like. Were your parents like. married when you were growing up? They were married. Um, my mom was, had her own, you know, it was an abusive situation, any way you cut it. And he was emotionally abusive to her and she took her own road in trying to deal with that. She, she tried to care for me the best that she possibly could, but she had her own issues from her own. I mean, this is what the, for me, this is really the core of the story that every generation has their own issues. We look at our own parents and we're like, oh my God, they were total disasters. Why didn't they do better? They didn't do better because they weren't taught any better. Mm -hmm. They didn't know any better. So at a father who was abusive, a mother who sort of, you know, isolated herself and disappeared um, a lot. And so I was sort of left to fend for myself to some degree. I mean, my mom was amazing in the ways that she could show up. So do you, do you blame him? Or do you think he was just a product of his upbringing? I spent most of my life blaming him okay. and being really, really angry. Um, I was really angry at both my mother and my father. I was incredibly angry at my father because he was really inappropriate with me. Uh, he was emotionally abusive. There, there was some, it's, it's a little difficult to describe in, in short sound bites. He was sexually inappropriate with me without actually molesting me. Um, it was very verbal. 
and emotional. So I was very angry at him for, for all of that. I was also very angry at my mother for not protecting me better from him. Hmm. What I didn't understand, and my dad died when I was uh, in my mid-20s, and it wasn't until then that my mom and I started having real conversations about what had happened in our home. So I was really angry at my mom for not protecting me better from the abuse of my dad. What I didn't understand until I was an adult, and my mom and I started having these conversations uh, that we had never had before about what happened in our, in our home. He had threatened her when I was a baby. Soon after I was born, he said, if you ever leave me, I will take Leah and you will never see her again. And she knew based on the friends that he had and the connections that he had, that that was a threat that he could very likely make mm. good on. And so she stayed. Her protection of me was in staying. And so as soon as I learned that, my anger at her basically evaporated because I realized that she had basically given up her life in order to protect mine. Suddenly, the, any basis for that anger was gone. It took a lot more years than that for me to come to some kind of peace with my dad. But what I began to understand as I looked further back into his history and saw the abuse that had happened to him as he was a child, and as I saw the ways that I had internalized the abuse I experienced and then became abusive to other people in my world, I began to understand what that generational pattern looks like. Thankfully, I don't have kids, so I wasn't visiting that abuse on my own children. But I, I went through a period when I was not kind to the people around me because I was so angry. I was viciously angry. And as I began to understand how receiving that trauma, I then visited it upon others. I saw what that pattern was, and I could then reflect back on my dad and say, he really didn't know any better. He really was doing the best he could, just like I was doing the best that I could, and I didn't know any better. Wow. That's, that's an incredible journey. I mean, the fact that you even have gotten out of that to the best of your ability, it just, it's amazing. And I think so many people get stuck in it and never get out. So it's incredible that you did. And I'm sure it's on so many levels, emotional. And obviously there's this level, like you said, of um, sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that, I think sexuality for, and, and I love this also about your podcast, I think sexuality for each of us is, it's so individual and unique, yet it's, there's kind of this, um, you know, there's kind of this blanket idea of what it's supposed to be for women and what it's supposed to be for men. And we don't often think about it uniquely for us. We think as a woman, this is what it's supposed to be, or as a man, it's supposed to be. And we, I think we become entrapped in that. Mm-hmm. Even in marriage, I think that, um, and, and I love the idea that at, you're at 42, you were able to, like, it's, it's, it's never too late. You know, it's 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 never never too late. late. Yeah. And I love that. And I think in some ways, you know, people always, there's this whole thing about when you turn 40, there's this sort of rediscovery of yourself and it's, it's one of the best, you know, 40 is the new 20 or whatever it is, (laughs) you know? 
And I'm, I'm 41. So I, I'm experiencing that. Also, I feel like there's something to be said for that. You're figuring out who you are. There's a certain fuck it mentality. And I'm not going to, if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. And I love all of that. I wish I had that 10, 15 years ago, but it is what it is. And we're here now. Yeah. And uh, I just, um, I want, I would love you to talk about sort of how you got to that place of rediscovery and how you are now. I mean, when you look back, are you a completely different person sexually than you were 10 years ago? And and how did that happen? Because I think so many of us want that. Yeah. I'm a completely different person sexually than I was three years ago, okay. <laughs> let alone 10 years ago. Yeah. So um, honestly, what happened is that um, my mom passed away uh, about three and a half years ago. She and I were super close. And part of what that meant was that I had really lived by what I thought her expectations of me were. So I had lived by my mom's sort of what I thought her expectations would be. It, it actually wasn't even something that we discussed. But um, it never occurred to me that I was allowed to go on any journey of sexual healing while she was still alive. When she passed away, suddenly it was like, oh, I have no strings left in my life. I have no siblings. I no longer have any parents. I'm, I kind of get to do whatever I want to do. And there's a huge element of fear and, and being terrified around that. But it also brought a huge amount of freedom. And um, I decided that I was going to dive into this. I had honestly never had a sexual experience that was really great. I had been super curious about what great sex would feel like. And I had tried in various sexual relationships to spice things up or to, you know, like do the things that other women seem to do that they love. What you and see in the movies. Totally. Yeah. Yes. yes. Right. And, and none of that had worked for me. You know, I had gone through these sexual relationships and assuming that if I was doing the things that I heard other women talking about and they all got pleasure from it and I didn't, then clearly I was the problem. I was the broken one. This whole journey started for me when I said to a therapist, uh, a therapist who I loved and trusted, I said to her, so here's a thing we've never talked about. I don't have good sex. <laughs> that was so brave of you. It, it was. And I said it to her in the last 15 minutes of our last session, <laughs> 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 which is maybe why I was brave enough to say right, it because I knew right. I wouldn't see her Absolutely. Again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was, was super brave. How many people want to say that out loud and yeah. don't? Yeah. And, and how she, many things would be different if we did? If we did. Oh, my God. It totally changed everything for me because she was wonderful and did not laugh me out of her room and say, we have 15 minutes. What do you think I'm going to do with that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, um, I was about to leave on a road trip that was going to take me around the country for an extended period of time. And she said to me, while you're on the road, certainly you're going to go through places where maybe you'll find a sex therapist. Why don't you go see a sex therapist? And my initial reaction was, oh, but good girls like me don't do things like that. Mm -hmm. And so um, I actually never did go see a sex therapist. But when I was in New York City, I went and had a tantric massage. 
And that was the thing that opened all of the doors for what, me. What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I see all of the eyes getting big. Yeah. I want one. What is Adam that? doesn't usually get massages, <laughs> but he's thinking about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what's the uh, ending like? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, tell us more about that, please. Yes. So um, we think of massage generally as like kneading the muscles, like kneading them like dough and releasing tension. Um, the concept of tantric massage, as it was explained to me, I know very little about it. So there may be people listening who are like, that's not really what it is. But as I understand it, tantric massage is about um, working with the energy in your body and bringing it all into um, a central point of focus, which in this case, because I had had a prior conversation with this woman and she asked me, do you want to work? You know, I had told her very specifically, I am dealing with what I think is sexual dysfunction. I, I don't have a lot of sensation. I don't have any pleasure etc. And she said, okay, and do you want to experience this energy in your genital area? And I said, hell yes, I do. And this is legal? This is legal. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, do you have a name, number? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? No, I don't want to experience yeah, that. Yes, right. might. Well, some people right. might. Yeah. Right. But I was like, I'm probably only going to do this once. So bring it on. <laughs> like, I'm the kind of person who, once I say yes to something, I'm like, let's go. Let's just go all in. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So um, I had a three hour session with her. <laughs> <laughs> They're not 30 seconds. Right? <laughs> no. Okay. The first hour was really just us talking um, and her helping me because I was fucking terrified. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I walked in that room and I was shaking and my brain was in all 6,000 different places. I was not in that room with her. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. in 6,000 other places. So we spent a, a good long time talking while she like helped me calm down and get into the room. And then finally we went into the room where there was a bed and there was a massage table. And she had me sit down on the bed with her. I still had all my clothes on at this point. And she brought out a tray of um, berries and chocolate. And she said, I want you to choose whatever looks, looks appealing to you from this tray. And I want you to taste it. I had never really understood the difference between eating something and tasting it. Mm. just putting it on your tongue and experiencing it was honestly the first time I ever understood the connection between chocolate and sex <laughs> like feeling the chocolate melting on your tongue just like allowing that experience to run through your whole body is really <laughs> really exciting and really sexual oh yes i agree with that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Danielle i'm with you that. i'm yeah. with you crispy cream dunkin yeah. it's all yes so then she had uh i think she had seven pink roses on the massage table she had me get undressed 
she had, she like was going to have me get down on the massage table, but she had seven pink roses and she literally like put her fingers into the middle. <laughs> Again, it was all very sexual, put her, her thumbs into the center of the roses and peeled them apart and sprinkled the rose petals all over the massage table. It was like every woman should experience laying on a bed of roses at some point. <laughs> Hear that, Adam? Oh, please. Oh, please. See? You would kill the roses in a second. Oh, no, the roses are already dead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's perfect for her. Because... Oh, you're okay. So... I have no green thumb. No. You go to the store, <laughs> you get the roses, you take the, you take the heads off. So there are no thorns left. Oh, really yeah. important. <laughs> Wait a minute. That could be kind of hot too. If you leave the thorns on. That's a totally different kind of massage. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's into those kind of massages with the ban the Russian banya massages. And okay. Yeah, go ahead. Right, let her go. So um so then she start, and uh, you know, again, I'm used to the kind of massage where they sort of work your muscles, knead your muscles. This was totally different. This was all about strokes, long strokes, and bringing all of the energy into into my genital area. And she had told me in advance that you know you may orgasm or you may not. It's you know it doesn't matter. That's not the point of it. And so I assumed that I wouldn't because that was something that was been really hard for me but I did really I mean as titillating as the whole idea of the massages really for me the best part was at the end we sat down and we talked for a while and I had been again I'd come in really afraid that I was broken that there was something physically wrong with me I'm sorry how old were you how long ago was this this was uh not quite two years ago oh, so I was wow. 42 okay yeah. okay yeah, I was afraid that there was something broken in my sexual system or something because I wasn't experiencing pleasure. And she was able to say to me, I have worked with hundreds of women. I know what the female sexual response looks like. You are not broken. Oh, wow. That was a major turning mm. point for me. She was able to say, I can see what's happening in your body. Here are, and I wish I could remember what they were, but she gave me, I don't, she gave me four signs of what happens in the female body during an orgasm. I remember one of them was sort of the, the back arch, sort of the breaking of the, the neck back while your um, back is arching. And there were three others. So there was some kind of flushing. And, uh, and engorgement. And uh, she said, you exhibited all of those signs. So your body works perfectly. Like you are not broken at all. There is some disconnect between what's happening for you physically and what you're experiencing. Your brain receptors um, are, are not receiving the pleasure signals in quite the way that optimally they would. So there's still some work to do. But now I had finally heard from somebody that I'm not broken, mm -hmm. that what I experience is actually fairly common. So while I am not a tantric massage therapist, I mean, that's a very specialized kind of work. I, I have now become really passionate about talking with other women and being able to hear their stories from a body of knowledge that says, yeah, you're not broken. Like, here are a bunch of things that a lot of people experience. And just because they don't fit sort of the typical 
um, what we read in romance novels or what we see uh, in Hollywood, it doesn't mean you're not broken. There are so many women who don't orgasm from penetrative sex. And so many of us think that that means there's something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. It just means that our body is constructed a little bit differently. So here at Marriage and Martinis, we are all about convenience, right? Uh, yeah. Anything that can make our life easier, I'm on board with. If I don't have to leave the house, ah, that's the best thing in the world. And Simple Health, not only is it convenience, but even better, it is bringing women's health into the 21st century. Thank goodness, finally, this is happening. So Simple Health is, whether you're trying birth control for the first time or you need to renew your prescription, Simple Health will take care of you. You fill out an online health profile and answer some questions to find the best birth control for you. Oh, it's about birth control. Uh, I love birth control. Okay, yes, we do love birth control. (laughs) A doctor reviews if you're a good candidate for birth control, recommends a product, and writes a prescription. Then your birth control ships straight to your door with a recurring schedule, no interruptions. It's free with most insurance plans and starts at $15 a month without insurance. I will pay $15 a month for no kids (laughs) anytime. (laughs) I know you will. So Simple Health is making it so that there's no more doctor's offices, waiting rooms, or pharmacy lines. It's it's private. Get your birth control prescribed, renewed, and delivered from wherever you are on your schedule. And Simple Health makes the complicated process of getting birth control so much simpler. Finally, visit simplehealth.com slash MNM with promo code MNM to get your prescription fee, the $20 prescription fee, waived. Okay. Simplehealth.com slash MNM promo code MNM. Go visit it because I'm telling you they're making women's health. It's, it's finally 21st century. Well, one thing that I love that you, I was going to go into this later, but since you brought it up and I think it's so important and I don't think we talk about women and orgasms enough. And I think we don't talk about the fact that it's a lot of times during sex, especially, I guess, just heteronormative sex, um, you know, vanilla, what, what you would call, um, that we don't talk about the fact that when a woman does an orgasm, it's just like, okay, too bad. It's over. And there's no follow-up. There's no, and I love that you, one of the questions that you think that partners should talk about, and I am in total agreement with this, and we'll get into this more because you have this whole, um, uh, it's not a chart, it's a, I guess, a questionnaire, which I think is so incredible. But one of the things that you say is that, okay, well, how are we going to handle it if one of, if one of us doesn't orgasm? Okay. What's, what are we going to do? How do, how, what's my preferred way of handling it? Yeah. And whether that's, okay, then I'll do it, I'll finish by myself, or we need to try something else, or the, there's no, I feel like there's no dialogue about that. And there are so many times when we don't orgasm and the guy comes first and then we're like, okay, well, there's always next time, or I'll do it tomorrow while he's at work. Or, And I love that you're opening up the idea that, no, it's, that's not okay. We need to, there, there needs to be, there needs to be something in place where we need to 
deal with that? Yeah. So my whole thing is about communication because for me, communication has been a total game changer. When I learned that I was not only allowed to have desires, but to communicate them to a partner, that literally changed everything for me. So um, I think there are a few reasons that this happens. And and what you're describing, this sort of like, okay, so we're going to do what we do. And if somebody's done and the other person isn't, then okay, we're just going to move on. That is totally a product of our culture not having any idea how to communicate about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, we, as women, we're taught that we're, I mean, to be a little bit crude about it, we're basically taught that we are a whole to be filled. We are there for the enjoyment and the pleasure of the male partner, if it's heteronormative sex. Um, The gay community does a much better job of handling all of this because there are not um, sort of, if it's heteronormative, then there, you know, it's very clear Part sure. A goes in part B. With with non-heteronormative sex, you have to have a lot more conversations because there's not an obvious part A and part B. Women are taught that we are there to be the receiver. And we're, we're not really given a whole lot of um, suggestion or education about it being okay for us to have pleasure. I just saw something the other day that really struck me. Uh, there's this billboard out right now for, I think it's for the Womanizer, which is a sex toy. And um, the tagline on it is, scream your own name. <laughs> which I think is a brilliant tagline. Yes. And, um, and the conversation around it is that there are a lot of regulations about how um, sexual innuendo can be used to sell products. And basically what it comes down to, somebody said, is sex can be used to sell anything except female pleasure. I think that's a really potent observation. We are not taught that our pleasure is important. But Men are not the bad guys in this because men right. are taught that. <laughs> oh, no, I have a say in this, but I'm going to wait till you're done and then I'll jump yeah, in. Please. That men are taught that they are just supposed to know that they are supposed to, you know, show up and be, be completely virile and completely masculine. And they are supposed to like take the woman and give her the thing and they're not supposed to have to talk about it. They're not supposed to have it to ask any questions because they are just supposed to know that is sort of the ideal man is he just shows up and he knew better. He knew my body better than I knew my body. And he just took care of me. Like the 50 shades of gray. Exactly. Christian gray. But that is not a reasonable expectation. It is because every woman's body is different. Every man's body is different. Every woman's brain is different. Every man's brain is different. It is not reasonable to expect that two people will show up in a room and they will just somehow have this cosmic understanding of each other without any conversation about it. And it honestly, a lot of people want to say, well, it's men's fault for not asking. Men haven't been taught to ask. Men have not been educated about how to ask. I don't think it's any more their fault for not asking than it is for our fault for not knowing how to engage in the discussion. Can I jump in for a minute there? What we've Adam's been in therapy and I go with him sometimes. And I said to the therapist, one of the things that bothers me is that a lot of times I'll have to, we weren't talking sexually. We were talking about chores around the house or helping with the kids. And I get annoyed that he doesn't just do things. 
And yeah. She, yeah and yeah. she said to yeah. me, which was very eye-opening, she said to me, he doesn't know. Yeah. He needs to be told. He wants to help. And that's true. And I think you can, you know, she said to me, you, you can't expect him to just know. That's not how he's been taught and raised. And, you know, that's just not what men are taught. Yeah. And, and, and I saw that as very eye-opening because we are communicators by nature, right? I mean, to a certain degree, when we fight with our friends, when we fight with our parents, we, it's men, all about women. talking. Women. Yes. Yeah, yes. women. And men are, it's just not part of it. When you're younger, you know, you get in a fight with another kid, you, you punch each other and it's over. And when she said that to me, that was very eye-opening. And I do think that can be transformed into the bedroom that they, they just aren't, like you said, they aren't taught to ask. And, and then maybe there's something, it's, it's like asking for directions when you're driving. It's like, oh, I'm not going to show that I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, that shows weakness. Exactly. And, and so. That's an old cliche because we have you know, GPS, GPS and, stuff. and maps. And, oh, like, no, there's okay. pl- there's plenty of times when I'm like, read the directions and you're like, I don't need to read the directions. Well, I don't because I just know what I'm doing. And that's why we have four <laughs> holes in our walls behind every picture frame. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wait, bef- before we even get into all that, because I wanted to jump in before yeah. Danielle jumped in, because I know I want Danielle to be able to finish every time, Okay. Yeah. Sexually, obviously, yeah. we're talking here. Obviously, I'm going to because <laughs> it's, well, don't say obviously. Well, for, Some right. guys don't. Is that true? Yeah. Right. Yes, yes. that oh, is true. Oh, yeah. Okay, I apologize. I can finish every time, no matter what. It's not a problem. I want Danielle to, but when I'm done, and I know Danielle is not, I, there's nothing I can do more to help her finish. It's it's almost like picture yourself having dinner and you're so full and like somebody brings out another plate and you're just like, I can't eat anymore. If I do, I'm just going to fucking throw up. Like, so what do you think is expected of you? Do you think that I don't know? Okay. So do you think that you are supposed to have another erection immediately so that you can go at it further? Yes, but it's not for me, just me, not guys. Mm -hmm. It's not, possible like it, like when i'm done i'm done yeah absolutely I, and, and and i do feel bad if danielle is not but there's nothing more i can do to make that happen but that's not true because you don't have to just have an erection to be done exactly yeah well yeah. you say it's that, more like you want to go to sleep uh well you say that as a woman but as maybe as a man or me as a man not all men when you're done you're done yeah, you're done well but you have other but you're, that you can do. but you're done. You can't do any more. Not even just. You're just talking with your penis. No, I'm talking about like when you're finished, you're like, oh, I, you just want to go to bed. There's no mindset to help like to. It's like if you're sitting at the table and somebody brings you another plate, you can't eat any more. <laughs> That's close enough. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but like you're just like in your mind and in your penis, like there, there's no more erection okay. either place. Like, okay. But, but how would you feel about picking up a toy and using it on her to completion? I would love her to pick up a toy and use it to completion. Okay. Because like I said, when, when I say I'm done. But that's kind of selfish. It is, but but it's not because it's not a mindset of like, hey, I finished, fuck her. Yeah, it is. But, but it's not because that's not my thought process. It's I finished and I, I, I just, for whatever reason, 
can't do any more and I'm done. Okay. Does so, that make sense? I mean, is it, that yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I think there are a couple different ways that you could look at this or think about it. Um, one is that you could, if you feel like you are getting toward the point of inevitability, you could pull back and say, Danielle, how close are you? And if she says, it's going to take me a few more minutes, pull out the toy then. Mm, that's easy to and, say. But you can't stop. It's, yeah. Like when you're at that point, it's not like, oh, let me stop. Let me pull okay, back. Well, so maybe before the point of inevitability, but but at some point in the middle of the of the session to make sure that she is progressing at the mm -hmm. same point, at the same speed. Maybe asking, are. where are you? Yeah, exactly. We don't That's, do that. We what? don't. We don't talk about it during. Like, are you close? Mm -hmm. There's no. I mean, we really. We've talked about this in a few episodes. That once we start with sex, there's really no communication whatsoever, mm -hmm. and that's been a problem. And and I think that that is a problem with a bunch of you know with a lot of people is that once we start, it gets silent. Yeah. And a little bit, it's that you know where we need to fit. We. I mean. If we're not in a hotel or on vacation, we are dealing with three kids at home. Absolutely. And, and two dogs that and are two like dogs who are in like, the room in the bed. <laughs> Unless we lock them out and then they're barking outside the room. Um, you know, it's it's full on real life, you know, yeah. and and we do the best we can, I think, in this situation. But sometimes it really is just a means to an end. Sometimes it's just, okay, we just need to connect and be together physically. But there are also times when the kids are sleeping and we certainly could go on and, and find a different way. I sort of always feel like... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Like, because he can't get an erection again and go again, it's like, Okay, then you go into the other room or you go somewhere else or you leave and go to sleep because I know that's what you want to do. And I'll just put on porn or whatever it is and finish it on my own. But what about uh, having him hold you while you put on porn and finish? Like so that you mm -hmm. still maintain the, the connection. connection. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? Right. See? <laughs> hold what? Hold me, like just to be oh, there. Like hug you while yeah, like you're. Just yeah. do. I don't know. Just be in the room. Be there. A be whisper part of in the her experience. ear. That's you're beautiful. I love you. <laughs> okay. See, that's that's the stuff. Yeah, and that's. I'm glad we're talking about this because I do think that. But it's but, never been done. But I want. I like that. Okay, but like you just said, when we're home, it's a means to an end. It's, but but it's sometimes sex. it's not. Sometimes the kids are sleeping. Right, and okay, but right. like when we're away. I yeah. think it's always. Yeah. When we're away, it's a much different story. But people are, you're away 5% of your life. Correct. So you're dealing with 95% of the time being in your bedroom, dealing with your kids or your dogs or your whatever it is you're dealing with. 
Okay, so you're saying get rid of the kids, get rid of the dogs. Perfect. And we'll just have great sex every Perfect. night. I <laughs> love it. I love that but idea. I love that we've come to a reasonable solution. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So the other thing that I was going, I, I said there were two, two thoughts that I had about how to think about this. And the other one is to start paying attention. And this is, I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying this is a really kind of radical concept for how we tend to think about sex, but to think about who the sex is for. Sometimes there are going to be, t there are going to be nights when the sex is more important to you, Adam. And some nights there are going to be, it's going to be more important to you, Daniel. And so who is really going to be taking the comfort and the pleasure from it this evening? If it's Danielle, then make sure that Danielle is the first one to get off. Mm, I like that. Wait, how do you do that? <laughs> no, <laughs> really? Like, Wait, how, how do, do we you make, make sure that you do that you wait and it's not about you? Oh, I just you... wait. Yeah. It's not that easy. What I'm saying is to put more of your attention on her. When, on those evenings, when you, when the two of you have decided that this is going to be for her, to put more of your focus and attention on feeling her skin be beneath your fingertips, on feeling how it feels to kiss her, and really paying attention to what is she going to enjoy the most, putting all of your focus on her. Because currently, the majority of your focus is on what's going on in your body. And am I excited and, and how do I navigate all of this? If you put all of your attention on her and really pay attention to like, what's going on? Is her skin turning, uh, is her skin flushing? That's a great, I, uh, that's a great um, indicator. Flushing, you mean like I'm um, turning color? Like, turning mm -hmm. red, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, flushing is a great indicator of turn on. So if her skin is flushing, you, oh, what I'm doing is really working. Like really paying attention to what you're doing. What are the sounds she's making so that you know this thing that I'm doing is really working. But this thing that I just did, I didn't get the same response that I did a minute ago. So maybe this thing doesn't work as well for her tonight. Really put all of your energy and attention onto her and what is going to bring her the maximum amount of pleasure. Taking that, that focus away from your own body and putting it on her. That is, I mean, I can't guarantee that that's going to um, change your physical response, but I think that it's probably going to make things a little bit calmer and quieter in your own body so that there's not that same rush to finish. Maybe also I think some nights, and I think a lot of times there's no communication at all. I always talk about the fact, and I think you listened to the, the second communication episode where we're talking about where I say, if, if at the beginning of the day or the beginning of our a date night, you were really talking to me um, sexually yes. and everything, that really would start it. But especially if you start talking to somebody sexually about that you want it to be about them mm -hmm. and not just well, we're going to, or the, the guy said, or the partner said, this is what I want for you. And this is what I'm going to concentrate on for you. And started from the beginning of the night, letting you know that it's going to be all about you and 
that gets them in the mentality of that too, I think. Mm -hmm. And there's not enough of that anyway. There's not enough of talking about it through the night. Like I feel like it starts in the middle of sex or maybe, maybe when you get in the bedroom, maybe you don't talk at all. And I think that if we started much earlier, even in the day, hopefully in the week, but maybe in the day, because sometimes it can only be one night a week when you have three kids and two dogs or Mm -hmm. all that stuff going on, business. And, uh, but if you started beforehand and you get in the mentality of, okay, tonight's going to be about her and start that from the beginning and get in that mindset. I think that would be even a huge thing that if you started, if you said to yourself from the beginning of the night, okay, well tonight, I want tonight to be about her. Then I think that changes the whole mood of it, the tone of it. And I think that could be huge. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's my response. Okay. And then let's move on. Okay. Women think about sex like four days before sex, right? So you're thinking about all the things you were just saying. And is it about me? Is it about him? Am I, is he helping? Is he like all these things to get you going where 30 seconds before sex is when a guy is like, I'm ready. Let's go. Like it just popped into my head. I'm ready to go. There's no thought behind. I want to have sex with my partner tonight. There's no, was she nice to me? What did she do? Like, is it about you? Is it about me? There is none of that. It's just, let's do it. I think that it's a skill that you can develop. I, I, I agree. Think, okay, but, I, but am I wrong? You could tell me if I'm wrong. It's okay. I, so, so here's the thing. I'm female. <laughs> so I don't, there is a certain aspect no to the male brain that I'm never going to know. But I think that just like there is massive variation in the female brain and female experience, there's going to be massive differentiation in, in the male experience as well. So is what you're saying wrong? No, it's what you experience. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I also think that it is possible to to practice and develop other yes, skills. I like that. I agree. Yeah, I, that that's fair. I think it's I think it's worth trying. I think it's worth if it's something that takes. Why are you? Well, laughing? obviously, you feel like it's okay, worth but trying. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't. She agrees with me, so don't yell at me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying I don't agree with you. I'm saying I think it's something that you you need to. That's something worth worth doing, worth trying. That maybe from the beginning, I think there needs to be more put out there. You know, so Adam, when you're walking through the kitchen and Danielle's standing at the sink doing dishes, do you ever walk by and like pat her on the ass? Or? Yep. So it's it's basically the same thing to whisper in her ear, "God, I really want you." Oh, I did that the other night. Didn't did? I? I like so. during, like I we had sex that. and I was talking to you okay. for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's trying. I was he's good. Yeah. I tried hard. Yeah. But he's, he's trying to build up to it. He is. I, I, I see him trying. Listen, I'm through, since we started this podcast, we've spoken to many, many women because that's what Danielle communicates with. So we don't have many men to talk to, but I'm learning a lot. Like I'm learning, we've spoken to, you as a sexual communication coach, coach, uh, sex experts, all these different things. So I'm learning and I'm trying as we go. So I, I, I spoke to Danielle for like the first time, uh, because I I was never into that. I was never good at that. I was never comfortable with that, but I did it and I liked it. 
And I think yeah. you did too. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I'd love to have more of that. Absolutely. And that's exactly what it is. It's it's simply practicing a new skill. It's not like you're going to be perfect at it at the beginning. It takes time. You don't walk into the gym and pick up the 50 pound weight. You walk into the gym and you pick up the two pound weight and you work with that for a while until you're ready for the four pound weight. You know, like this is just like building a muscle. It's mm -hmm. just constant repetition and practicing. And at first it will feel awkward. And over yes. time it will feel less awkward. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so true. I think you're so, that's so true that you have to, the more you do it, the work, just like anything, right? Yeah. No, it's, we don't expect a child to stand up and walk across the room the first time they do it. But we expect ourselves to be perfect at these new things the first time that we try them. It's just not reasonable or realistic. So I remember this conversation in that communication episode, which I absolutely loved. And um, Adam, I think I remember, please correct me if I'm wrong. I can't because I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I remember you saying that um, you part of your discomfort around this communication thing was that you simply don't know what to say. Like it's awkward because you don't know what you would say. Is that true? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, all right. So like sexual talk, like yeah. in the bed. Okay. I don't know what I would say. And I felt silly saying anything. Yeah. Okay. That's how I felt. So my current partner has expressed exactly those same things to me if you would like, I will share with you the two things that are making a real difference in that area for us. Yeah, please. All right. So one of them is that there is a website called Literotica, L-I-T-E-R-O-T-I-C-A. It's user submitted erotic stories on all different subjects and they're broken down by category and you can look at the ratings. And I mean, there are thousands of them, so you'll never be at a loss for something to sure. read. But if you find something that is in a, in a category that really turns you on and you read it to each other, suddenly somebody else is giving you the words and it can be really, really hot. That's mm -hmm. fun. And it starts to get some of those words into your brain so that later when they're not in front of you, you can say them and suddenly it's like, oh, I have some vocabulary here. So this is something that my partner and I have done. And because I, I like that too, I like to be spoken to during sex. And that was something that was really uncomfortable for him. And as we have done some of this, he has gotten really, it, it's been amazing. So he, say that, he was uncomfortable. Totally talking. uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. And like, yeah. it was weird, kind of bizarre. Like he felt silly. He, like that's exactly that. what he expressed to me. He felt okay. silly. He had no idea what to say. It felt forced, all of those things. Okay. That's me. Yeah. And then the other thing that um, I've played with a little bit is, um, so he and I play a little bit in the realm of DS, dominance and submission, which is not at all the Fifty Shades thing. <laughs> um, it's more just like, tell you what to do, you know, like, uh, I'm going to be the one in charge of this particular session. Um, usually, he's the one in control, that every once in a while, we'll switch, and I will be the one in control. And when I do that, part of, part of my instruction to him is, here are the rules for this session. I want to hear you make noise, because that's something else that has been uncomfortable for him. I want to hear you make noise. And 
as long as you're making noise, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. But as soon as you stop making noise, I'm going to assume you don't like what I'm doing and I'm going to stop. Hmm. That's awesome. Is this guy, <laughs> is this guy me? Yeah, right. Just <laughs> like you. Right. Right. And it's been incredible that he like he is learning through doing and through positive reinforcement that I love it when he makes noise. Do you ever respond to him with like, oh, that's stupid or that's silly no. or that's like you shouldn't not. have done that or Are you really worried I would do that? No, I'm worried about that you would have that reaction, not that you would actually do that purposely. Oh, that's that, so that, that's so upsetting. That I would that you say something that. or make a noise or whatever, and you would be like, <laughs> do, no. do you think that's very much a guy like that? That's very I, much a guy thing that like because of how they are with each other when they're growing up and everything. I think that, it's a human thing. I okay. think that. Uh, you know, I think that we as women are terrified of asking for what we want because we're afraid of exactly that same response. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it's a male thing or a female thing. Well, isn't um, it good to know that men have the same? Yes. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important to, I think that it's really I know you're important. So, you're being so open and I think that's so, <laughs> right? I think yes. that's so incredible. I need to go. Is, I need to leave. No, because... stop. I'm serious. <laughs> it's very important that you're talking about this. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not in your bedroom. I can't make any guarantees. But if you are hearing your wife say to you that she wants to hear you, she wants to hear these words, there is probably a 99.9% .9 chance that no matter what you say or no matter what sound you make, she's going to be like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's a total turn on. Mm -hmm. And Danielle, for you to really express to him that like maybe after the session is over to be able to go up to him and be like, that was such a turn on to hear you like that. He needs to know that. He needs to hear from you that that's what you want. Well, that's true because the other night that just happened where I, I opened up, I was trying to talk a little bit, make some noises for her. And I had to keep asking to reassure myself, was that okay? Yeah. Like, how, how did you feel about that? Like how... Like, was I good? Is that what you wanted? Yeah. And she kept saying, yeah, it was great. That, yeah, that was awesome. Yes. You know? And, but even still, I'm just like, all right, I got, I'm, I'm like working on it. You know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It yes. really is. I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, the, the yes, no, maybe list that you have for, yeah. for beginners that you say. And, and I like, I like that because I think that, I think we've established, first of all, it's never too late to start to ask for what you want ever. I don't care. You know, we've been married 16 years and, and, and I don't want to make it sound like we have had some incredible sex over the years, but there's also definitely times where I would like to step it up and there are things I'd like to try. And I think that you would like to try that well, we don't we have, we have, but there's so much more. Ooh, like what? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, and I, but I think that we have tried, I think that there are other couples out there or one spouse or the other who, uh, it, it's, it's, you don't know how to get the conversation going, right? When's the right time? You know, when do you talk about this? How do you talk about it? If you're someone like Adam, who is uncomfortable communicating like that, well, it's never going to come up. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think anybody should spend the rest of their life 
wishing that they had that experience. And I love, so I love this. So you have a, a yes, no, maybe list for beginners. And a little bit in the second communication episode also, I talk about, I'm really fascinated with the BDSM culture, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, the bondage, dominance, sadomasochism culture. I think that it's a completely misunderstood community and that there's this taboo idea of what it is, but they really seem to have their shit together on so many levels, right? For a yeah. community that seems very taboo in culture, I think that they, uh, the way that they communicate, the way that they open up with each other, the way that they have to put it all out on the table, there's so much to be learned from that. Absolutely. And so this list that you have is um, – even no matter how, you, even if you're just right now at a place where it's the same two, three positions every time, mm-hmm. it's about trying to expand your, like you were saying, you never tasted anything, expand your sexual palate, right? To try to open up your idea of, okay, what do we want to try? And so you, I mean, it's a really extensive list, yeah. which I think is amazing. Um, you have everything on here from passionate kissing, you know, uh, types of what kind, kinds of touch do you want? And there's a one through 10 type, or a maybe I could do this, or a no, I'm not even willing to try it. Uh, and it opens up so much communication. So you could go to your website, right? And I will put it on ours too. Uh, we could put it on it if you would like. Um, and we'll obviously have all the links to you. Um, but do you want to talk about this a little bit more? That um, it, it's such an incredible resource. I'm glad that you like it. It really is. I, I really and Adam and I actually are going to New York City on Friday night for the night. And I said to him uh, this week when we were looking over stuff for the interview, I said, "Don't don't do it now. I want to do it when we're in New York together um, because it's a nice time to do it." But yeah, yeah. definitely tell us more. So, um, yeah, this very much comes out of the BDSM community. And for people who aren't familiar with that, um, BDSM stands for, there are actually three different things that are covered by that four-letter acronym. There's BD, bondage and discipline, DS, dominance and submission, and SM, sadism and masochism. So there are a lot of different kinds of activities. It's not all just whips and chains, which I think because of Fifty Shades of Grey, people assume that that's um, that anything in the BDSM community is kind of really hardcore, and that's not the case at all. That's not the conversation we're having right now, but I do want to dispel that myth. <laughs> sure. Well, um, I think that is a lot where a lot of us get our BDSM yeah. and we're like, oh, well, he's a billionaire, so it's okay. I would do BDSM <laughs> with a billionaire too who looked like Christian Grey. And obviously there's way more levels to that. Yeah. It's also super important to hear that um, Christian Grey is a really shitty dom. <laughs> like there's Ooh. so much about that situation that is not okay. Oh, that's so because, interesting. Yeah. Because he basically says either you play by my rules or you're out. And that's and so not the BDSM community. Not the community right. at all. This community, what is so amazing about the BDSM community is that it is predicated entirely on communication. Uh, Again, unless you have a really shitty dom. For what we're talking about, it's all about communication. It's all about saying, okay, if you're the dominant and I'm the submissive in this interaction, 
what is it that you want to do to me and what is it that I want to receive and do those two things line up and if they do line up how hard like if if you're going to paddle me on a scale of one to ten in terms of you know how harsh is it going to be how much can I withstand and so that's a huge amount of communication that needs to happen before any scene in addition like what other things that get talked about are if i decide that it's too much how am i going to communicate that to you once it's over what kind of aftercare is there going to be so is there anything that i need in order to sort of come back to myself and feel okay after i've received this beating if that's what that is so there's a whole lot of communication that happens and the the bdsm community has done a really great job putting together sort of a a way that that conversation happens obviously every person every couple does it differently but the basics of it are all covered in these yes no maybe lists that the bdsm community has and if you were to google BDSM, yes, no, maybe, you would get a ton of information and resources. But I've been looking at that with, you know, as I coach clients and they're talking about, but I don't know how to communicate with my partner about what we want and what we don't want and how much we want and what we want after. And I kept thinking, why is there not a yes, no, maybe checklist for people who are more quote unquote vanilla? It's very hard to find one. And so I decided that and I did find a couple and they, it felt to me like they didn't cover all the bases that needed to be covered. And so I created my own. And it has a bunch of different sections in it. Like you mentioned, there's, you know, how do you feel about public displays of affection? Are you okay with holding hands? Are you okay with kissing? If kissing, how much kissing? <laughs> you know, like, because everybody has different tolerances. And the thing is that if you communicate about your tolerances in advance, then it's much less likely that somebody is going to feel rejected as opposed to being on the sidewalk and your boyfriend comes in for a long passionate kiss and your response is oh i'm not into that but your your actual physical response is pushing him away and saying oh no he's not necessarily going to get from that this is simply an activity I'm not comfortable with, he is going to take from that. Rejection. I have just been totally rejected. Yeah, mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. So to get a little bit graphic. <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, we love it. <laughs> so with, for me, um, one of my hard red lines is that I do not want, when I'm having heterosexual sex, I do not want a man to ejaculate in my mouth or on my face. That is a hard no for me. I didn't realize until the last couple of years that that was something I was allowed to even say. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I had, in order to not reject the men that I had sex with, I had simply avoided giving blowjobs because I didn't want to get to that moment of him ejaculating and be like, oh no, that's gross and have him feel rejected. So Well, I we hear our whole life, you can't, or does she spit or swallow? Exactly. Right. And, and, and she doesn't, if she doesn't swallow, it means she doesn't love you. 
which is right. Or oh, she's sorry. just a prude and yeah. she sucks and you shouldn't make out with her. Exactly. Exactly. We had that whole thing in high school. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. It, it's a terrible message. Absolutely. Because there's a certain segment of the population, like me, who's perfectly happy giving blowjobs, but simply doesn't I, I am not comfortable with the taste and the smell and the feel of ejaculate. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned over the last few years is that I can say to a partner in advance of the sexual engagement, here's my line. I like giving blowjobs, but I am not comfortable having ejaculate in my mouth or on my face. Is that something you're okay with? To my surprise, I have never yet had a man say no to me. (laughs) That's not surprising. Uh, It was a surprise to me because I thought that that was something that was just expected. And then the next question is, so how do you want to deal with that? Some men will say, well, you know, can you finish me with your hand and then we'll clean it up? Or some men will, you know, say, well, how about we switch to penetration at that point? There are lots of different options. My current partner, he came home one day. It was so sweet. He uh, (laughs) came to my apartment a couple months after we had started dating and he said, I have a surprise for you. I was like, oh, I love surprises. <laughs> and he had found a brand of condoms that have no taste and no smell. And um, so, you know, if I'm giving him a blowjob near the end, I'll put a condom on him and he's perfectly happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way we both get what we want. I get to finish him. He gets to finish. I don't have to have this stuff right. in my mouth. And for the record, uh, hold on, I'll give you the name. <laughs> Okay. For anyone who wants to know, they're called Trustex, T-R-U-S-T-E-X, non-lubricated. Okay. And it really is, it really doesn't, it's fine. It doesn't taste like anything. It's fine to me. Great. I I am super sensitive to taste and smell. And and see, you guys never would have had that experience together had you not communicated. Had I not had the conversation with him, Mm -hmm. I would have gone on not giving blowjobs and men would have gone on being disappointed by the fact that I didn't give blowjobs. But in this way, he doesn't feel rejected because he knows this isn't about him. Mm. It's about me and my comfort level. And because he cares about me, he wants me to be comfortable. And we have found a way to make it win-win for everybody. I love that. That's amazing. I, I, and I think that that's what I think most couples want that, right? We want to satisfy our partner. That is such a, on the high priority list of what we want. We just need to talk about it. Exactly. I hope that people will fill out this together. I think the amazing thing about this list is number one, I think that it's a, it's a turn on even just to fill it out, right? To mm-hmm. Just to be thinking about all those things and the possibilities of them. I think that, um, if you do it together, obviously, or separate and then exchange it in the same room, that is almost a sense of foreplay. Yeah. Um, if you're not comfortable doing that, even sending it back and forth is kind of hot. Yeah. And so I love the list for that reason. I also love the list because I think that there are pe- things that people are going to fill out that they've been doing that their partner is going to be like, oh, I've been doing that. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I just think on so many levels, it's a a really wonderful resource. I'm really excited on Friday night when we're in the city, we're going to both fill it out and we'll share some of our answers. What What am I doing? The list that we're going to, yeah, the list that I was telling you about that when we're in New York, we're going to fill out about uh, the yes, no, maybe about what you're, what what we're willing to do. I'll do Um, anything. I don't care. 
I'll do it all. <laughs> and and one of the things that I felt like was missing from the other list, you had mentioned uh, that there's like a one to 10 rating is um, I felt like was missing from other lists was that there was not a good differentiation between a, yes, I totally want to do this. And yeah, I'm okay with that sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and right. so that's why I put the one to 10 in so that if there's something that is like a 10 for your partner and it's a three for you, then that's a place to start conversation to say, okay, you know, tonight we're going to make this going back to our early conversation. We're going to make tonight for you. We're going to do this thing. That's a total 10 for you. And then maybe next time we'll do something that's a 10 for me, but only a three for you Mm -hmm. so that you are, there's some give and take and you're beginning to really build a sense of trust and of negotiation and making sure that everybody gets their needs met as long as it's not a hard no. Well, I was going to say, how do you both, how do you deal with a maybe? A maybe is something that requires more conversation. So, um, you know, if, if you're talking about, uh, I don't know, spanking, yeah, and <laughs> and it's a real big yes for one of you, and it's a maybe for the other. Then you have a lot of conversation, or at least some conversation, before you do it. You don't just pull out the paddle and start. And you're like, "Well, it's a maybe. Let's try it tonight." You you have a conversation, and you say, "This is a maybe for you. Is it something that you want to try?" And you you give your partner the ability to say yes or no to that on any given day. So that at the time that they say, yeah, I think I might want to try that, you know that you haven't coerced them into something that they don't actually want to do and they're just giving in. You're actually saying it's totally okay if you say no to this. If you say yes, then let's play. And I think there's stuff that we're probably all doing or have done that we really don't want to be doing, right? Or that doesn't feel that good. And I think that even as a list that uh, it lets you know what you're willing to try. It's also a list that lets your partner know stuff that maybe has been going on that you're not that into. And like, oh, I've been doing this. Why haven't you said anything to me? Well, I'm not exactly. comfortable talking about it, but I'm I'm okay putting a check mark exactly. next to the no. So on so many levels, it's such a great list. And I think it really is. I, I think it's- It's a tool. Uh, it's a tool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love it. I love that you're doing that. It's amazing. So I will make that available on my website, leahcarry.com forward slash martinis. Um, oh, perfect. For your listeners. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Okay. And we will have that link, obviously, everywhere that we have. Uh, I don't want, there's one thing or one or two things I don't want to leave you without talking about. Yes. Um, that I think that we had a lot of questions and answers about is that number one, uh, the whole thing about body image in the bedroom is mm. huge. And I realize that this could be a whole other episode and I hope maybe you'll come on again and we can t- get into more depth about it. Anytime. Uh, but um, that's a huge thing. Uh, for me, it's a huge thing. Uh, I think for a lot of the uh, our listeners, I did a poll asking about this. 65% said that they're very self-conscious during sex. And I think it's really inhibiting our sex lives in so many ways. I think so many of us are hiding ourselves. We're only making love with the lights out. Yeah. Um, we're not trying certain positions because we don't like the way our body looks in that position. Um, we're probably not doing a lot of the things we fantasize about because we don't feel like we're hot enough mm-hmm. to do those things. Yeah. And I just think 
in so many ways, it is so hard, um, especially on social media and all the body images we see and in, you know, television and movies and so many of us, I don't care how much you go to the gym or whatever it is, so many of us cannot live up to that. Yeah. How do we deal with that in the bedroom? So I can tell you what has been profoundly healing for me. And um, then different people will extrapolate this out in different ways for themselves. I have dealt with really um, poor body image throughout my life. Again, my dad told me I was fat and ugly from the time that I was 11. I believed him. Um, Turns out I had a pretty darn normal body. (laughs) I couldn't see it. I couldn't believe it. The thing that has been the biggest game changer for me is finding ways to be naked with other naked people, especially with other naked women, because there's almost nobody who has a perfect body. Even the Victoria's Secret models are worried about the little bit of pudge that they have that none of the rest of us can see. Um, Being naked with other naked people has allowed me to look at other people's bodies and say, I kind of fit right in here. Like there are women who are smaller than me. There are women who are larger than me. And they are all no less interesting or vibrant or sexy or anything simply because of the size of their body. They are all of those things. Everything that I appreciate about them with their clothes on, I appreciate just as much about Mm. them with their clothes off. That was a huge game changer for me. So the obvious question is, how do you end up in naked space (laughs) with other naked people? Because that's not a normal thing. Yeah. Um, I'm part of an organization here in Portland, Oregon called Sex Positive Portland, where this is part of what we do. Uh, There are events where people shed their clothing. I also took myself to a sex resort in Jamaica (laughs) for a week by myself. Hedonism? Hedonism. Good for you. And I went specifically because I wanted to spend a week on the beach naked with other naked people. I love that you did that. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to do that. I highly recommend it. It is scary as hell. It was just for anybody who's hearing this and thinking they might be interested. um, I found it to be an extremely respectful place. I never once felt like I was in any danger, even being there as a single woman. I never felt like I was being coerced. I had a couple people hit on me, but it was, it was not overwhelming. Um, Yeah. Well, you hope if you're naked that a couple of people are going to hit on you, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't like the kind of thing where people were following me around. Or, or creeping on me. That's that's the distinction I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, people were very respectful. Well, can I be honest? Because I express a lot of the times on our podcast that, you know, I certainly, I think probably I have a lot of tendencies towards women. And I think that if something were to happen to Adam, I always say I would probably not marry a man again. I would probably go for a woman. And I really mean that. And I, I have to say that with myself, it's so interesting because when I see women who I'm attracted to, I'd hate to even say overweight. They're not overweight. They are, they're just regular. Yes. Um, but it's thought to be overweight when you're yes. what you see all day on social media. You know, thin women, women who are, you know, have a little more curves or whatever it is. I'm never turned off by that. 
Exactly. But it's so interesting that I'm so worried about my husband being turned off by that. But that literally has never stopped me from being attracted to another woman or thinking that they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I, I put that on my husband as being something that is gonna, he's going to be turned off by. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I am bisexual. In my period of sexual exploration, I had a whole bunch of mm-hmm. <laughs> wild and crazy experiences, including going to Jamaica for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I got involved with a woman briefly who, um, who wanted to only be intimate with the lights off. She I looked at her and I literally thought she was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. She, ah, there was just something about her that to me was so alluring and she's had two kids and she has the body of a woman who has given birth and fed two children. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was incredibly beautiful. And she would say, I don't want you to look at me. I'm fat. I don't want you to look at, you know, any of, And it was painful for me to be on the other side of that Mm -hmm. and say, I just want to look at you. I just want to adore you and worship you. And she wouldn't allow me to. And that also was a really big wake up call to me for how I treat other people who just want to worship and adore my body. And I say, oh, no, you know, I've, I've got some rolls. I've got some pudge. I've got some cellulite. And I don't want you you know, I don't believe that you think I'm beautiful. Maybe, maybe there's some, some, something really wrong with the way that I see myself. Well, maybe we also need to be saying it more to our partners, not just in the bedroom, but all the time. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, yes. And I mean, I think that having a partner who is able to verbally express that to us is wonderful and can be really healing. I also think that there are a lot of us who are not going to believe it right. when we hear it. Right. Like there are some people who think, I, I can't accept any compliment until I feel good about myself. Like I have to do all of the work myself. You can't, nobody can love me until I love myself. That can make it difficult to uh, accept that from somebody else. Mm. Um, so we need to do a little work <laughs> on yeah. And being willing to accept Yeah. It. And when my friends say to me, oh, I'm fat or I've gained weight or whatever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You yeah. look amazing. Yeah. But that's all what we, we perceive for ourselves. Exactly. So in the bedroom, so you're saying is that we need to put ourselves in situations where we see that we really aren't, we have bodies that are very similar to the majority of, exactly. and that's beauty. Exactly. I yeah. mean, go to the pool in the middle of the summer and look at, or the beach and look at the range of bodies and really pay attention to what your response is to those bodies. I, but that's a whole other subject yeah. that could take days to well, talk about. I think about. I would love to so. meet with you again. I would love to talk about that because yeah. I do think that is a huge thing for all of us. And I think that's um, a lot of what is keeping us from really enjoying ourselves in the bedroom, myself included. But I, I would love to have a section a second part to this and have you back. Yeah. And there's, I have so many more questions for you. Absolutely. I'm so grateful to you for, for doing what you're doing and being part of this, this uh, community where we're really trying to use a platform to say that we all need to come forward and share our experiences in whatever capacity that is and accept each other. And so I thank you for that. 
And, and can you tell people how to get in touch with you? You are a coach. Do you do Skype coaching? Yep, absolutely. Um, So you can find me at leahcarey.com, L-E-A-H-C-A-R-E-Y.com. My, uh, my podcast is Good Girls Talk About Sex. And I I love it. Oh, thank you. I I love it too. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) I also just started a video series on YouTube. Uh, It's I am Leah Carey. You can get there from my website. Um, And it's while the while the podcast is me interviewing other women about their sexual histories and sexual stories, the YouTube series is me telling my stories and talking about the things that I've learned. Very cool. Well, you're awesome. We're so happy that you joined us and um, I would love to have you back. We'll make a, a, you know, a a date for that. And I, I encourage everybody, you do couples also, you do work with couples. So I encourage everybody and we all need to be talking about this more. It will help so much. Yes. Yeah. My, my takeaway from this whole thing is that spanking includes a paddle. So I'm going to <laughs> I'm so glad my work here is done. Your work here is done. Yes. That's yes. my whole takeaway of this whole thing. <laughs> I have a friend who's an editor and her partner got her a paddle that has pieces of punctuation. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Like burned into it yeah. so that when she gets spanked, she's left with. with oh my God. That's amazing. That oh, is so incredible. Yeah. I have coals. I'm going to light them, put them <laughs> on the coals, yeah. and thank Danielle. Nice. Thank and yeah. now you understand what's going on with our sex life. <laughs> I love you guys yeah. so much. We love you too. Well, thank you so much. And I really hope everyone will go listen to your podcast and I, I, I just and, and go look at your, your, your website and we, we will come back to you with, we are going to fill this out on Friday night together in New York. And I'm really looking forward to it. I feel like it's going to be like the ultimate date night. So, I'm so excited to yes. hear how it goes for you. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was great Thanks, talking Leah. to you, Leah. It was great. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com